Welcome back to the Road to Wealth podcast. It is your host, Justin Knackpill, and I hope everyone's having a great weekend so far, and hopefully we are going to be able to have some better weather coming into the spring season in the next coming weeks. On today's episode, I have a chance to talk to Chad from Ohio. He goes by at Chad Money Matter on Twitter, and he is a father and husband working in the hospitality industry and restaurant industry as a general manager. Roughly making around $50,000, but saving up north of $39,000 in 2021. He talks a little bit about his journey and the relatability of how anyone can generate wealth and build a better future for themselves. So uh, we really had a great conversation and I hope everyone can find a little bit of positivity and really some advice from his approach with his savings rate and his investment style. So Chad, I want to definitely send some shout outs and thanks to you. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get our to our conversation with Chad at Chad Money Matter. My name is Justin Knackpill, and welcome back to the Road to Wealth podcast. Um, I have a honor of speaking to a fellow Midwestern here. I have Chad from Money Matters. Um, he is based in Ohio, and uh, we've actually got a chance to, to recently connect on some money stuff. So I'm just glad to uh, have you on the podcast, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, let's start with an intro. Why, why don't you uh, give the listeners a, a little bit of who you are and um, kind of what started your journey, man? Yeah, so I'm uh, 37, uh, father of one, husband to my, my beautiful wife. Uh, we're from Ohio. I've been in pretty much the restaurant business all my life. And um, that recently kind of led me down a path of... Um, you know, just some financial, you know, just really getting into the financials of uh, some stuff. Cause there are some things, if you're a restaurant worker that are just generally not available, the 401ks and the, you know, the stuff like that. So uh, being in that business, you kind of got to make do with what's available to you. And that kind of led to um, kind of led to this journey, if you will. No, that's that's uh, that's great, Chad. And and the one thing that you know what kind of drew me to your story was this whole aspect of making it relatable, right? Because especially with a lot of our peers online, you know, many of them may have a traditional job or whatnot, but you fall within what I feel like normal work and like things that not many people you know can can relate, or rather they can relate to because it's it, it's you know, there, there are restaurants and hospitality around us. Um, so I want to start Chad with what drew you to personal finance. And, you know, if you also want to share a little bit about your career too, and kind of how, how you got into it too, I, I'd be curious as well. Yeah. So, um, honestly, it pretty much starts when I was younger because my, my mom had always, um, my mom had always been kind of like, the mother and father of my household. So my dad had some uh, things happen. He had a brain aneurysm when I was um, 
I bet I was four or five. It was just, it was something that happened. And um, so she had to work all the jobs, take care of my dad through all of that, you know, just nightmare situation. And uh, so she really taught us work ethic and, you know, how to keep persevering uh, through that. And she was working minimum wage jobs, just doing what she had to do to get by, uh, just to feed the kids with help, you know, help from friends and family and stuff. And um, so she really instilled on us that work ethic. Um, and then that led to saving. But that was kind of where it stopped for our family. It was work your 45, work your 50, work your 60 hours a week. Um, that way you could pay all your bills and have a little bit of money left over and then save that money. And then that was kind of like, okay, that was it. And then like, uh, eventually I came to a point and, and it may have taken me a little longer than I would have wanted, but you get to a point where you go, I probably can't save myself into retirement, at least not comfortably, at least not, you know, the way we want to. So, um, what really drove me down that path, um, I was sitting on the couch one day and I was looking at my phone. That's just kind of when I go over my finances and stuff. And my wife's in here, we're talking back and forth, like, you know, Hey, we're saving this. There's X number of dollars in the bank. And, um, I could just, I could like feel my blood boiling a little bit. And, and I talk a lot about, um, reaching like your pain point. And for me sitting on the couch, having that conversation while I'm looking at my bank account was the pain point for me, that like breaking point, the line in the sand where it was, it was honestly making me physically ill to have the conversation because I was coming to the realization that I was not going to save my way into a decent retirement the money that we had was going to have to work for us or i was going to have to work for the rest of my life and that just wasn't something that i wanted to do that that didn't seem like a that didn't seem like a good enough plan for what i wanted um so i guess really that i boil it down to like that moment in time was that straw that broke the camel's back um that was just, that was that point where you, you have to get to that point to realize like, I'm done being comfortable. It's time to do something that's out of my comfort zone. It's time to, you know, break away from the things that I've always done that got me to this point. It's time to do something new. Uh, and a lot of times those things can be scary, but in order to, in order to do those scary things, uh, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you got to hit that breaking point. To, to move through that um, session. So um, that was pretty much what we did. We had that full-blown conversation with the wife uh, and that led me to uh, investing uh, and then index funds and, and all those beautiful things like that. And thanks, Chad, for sharing that. And we'll, we'll get into your investment philosophy because I'm sure, sure. You know, a lot of the listeners and myself are, are wondering how you did it. But you mentioned there a phrase of, I was done being comfortable. Um, can you explain what you did to really dive in and what were some of those early lessons, you know, learning about money? Yeah. So again, it goes back to, we were always really good savers. So I had a decent nest egg, you know, saved up that my rainy day fund was, was fairly large. Um, but it, it again was just cash sitting at the bank and, um, and I kind of tell this little anecdote. My my mom was a big proponent of CDs when I was uh, 
I think I was 16, maybe I was 16 to 20, somewhere in that range. But I had a $4,000 CD at the bank. And at that point in time, I think it was making uh, 4%, which, I mean, looking back, you know, now it was a decent amount of money for, a, you know, essentially a free return. Just to I was going to say, was it, did you say 4000 or 400000 I had 4000 4, <laughs> getting a 4% return on it. So I think at the end of the, okay. and it was, you had to leave it in there for four years. Yeah. And um, so it's a $1,600 return. And, and, but as a 16 year old, you're like, oh, you know, that's great. Uh, and now as a 37 year old, and I know what I know about investing now, and you go back and you do that math. And it was, if I just put it in the S and P 500, it would have been $25,000 by now. Yeah. And that's just one of those like little gut punches where I always tell myself, stop doing the math on stuff. Uh, you just don't want to know the numbers because you didn't do it, you know, move on. But, um, that was, that was eye opening to me because again, we were always savers, but we never actually uh, were taught how to get your money to work for you. So that led me to um, Reddit and Reddit's just one of those, like it's just easily widely available. It's a forum, you know, type thing where you get tons of uh, good advice, tons of bad advice, and you got to weed through it. But I was on this like, you know, just this knowledge journey. I didn't care what it was. I was going to consume it. I was going to learn, you know, some stuff. And, uh, ultimately that led me to, uh, the library to pick up some books, you know, random walk down wall street, um, uh, rich dad, poor dad, you know, all those, you know, just cliche books about investing, but they, they're just timeless. They just hold true forever. And, uh, so you go to the library, you grab those. And then that led me to, you know, a little bit towards that philosophy of the money has to be working for you and um, ultimately settled on index funds, mainly because, you know, we had talked about the salary being low for myself, for my wife, who, who was not exactly on board with, uh, you know, investing the money, locking it up in just a hope of a return because, uh, you know, she was none the wiser to investing herself. Um, so the name of the game for us was going to be kind of a conservative uh, portfolio uh, because you really can't go too far out on that ledge because it may take you two, three, four years of salary to actually, you know, make back losses. So, you know, we couldn't go all in on crypto, for example, because if you lose that money, um, that it's not as easy to, to make that back. Those mis those, you know, mistakes you can make with a high salary, high savings rate uh, are, are much more difficult on a $50,000 salary than they, than they are if you're making a hundred K. So we kept our risk appetite a little bit lower. And, and, and we're going to get into your, your investment philosophy. I think, I think that's fascinating. Um, but I, I, what I want to do, Chad, cause you, you hit on a few things there um, that I want to kind of peel Um you talked a lot about normal salaries, and you, you mentioned around fifty thousand. Um, but you know, I, getting to know you, and, and obviously getting a little bit of your story, there was a turning point of when you were thirty, saying that you had, I think, a negative net worth, or you didn't really recognize that. To over seven years now, being a thirty-seven-year-old, um, what were some of those initial moments trying to pick up? And even though you were digesting the knowledge, how were you putting it into practice? Yeah. So I'll answer it kind of this way. So our, 
our savings rate right now is probably like 35 to 45% of our salary. Cause, um, uh, but when you, you know, when you back up the truck, when you get that, you know, cart before the horse, that's like, Oh, that's impossible to do on that salary. But it, I mean, that to tell you the truth just happened, um, this year, last year, that, you know, two, three, four years ago, that window, um, all of those little seeds were kind of planted probably 10 to 15 years ago. So, mm. you know, we moved out and we decided we wanted to buy a mobile home as opposed to renting, uh, an apartment because buying at the time wasn't an option with what we had saved up before we moved in together. Um, so we wanted to have some equity when we decided to sell. So we end up moving out and uh, I pay off the car loan and then I started making the car loan payments to the bank account. So we just saved, you know, that car loan payment and kept it in the bank. And then we paid our mobile home off. A mobile home loan is only is essentially it's like a double car loan. You it's a 10 year loan as opposed to like a 30 year mortgage or whatever. And you pay it off. And obviously it was less you know, money. I think we paid 20 or 20. 1000 out the door, all things considered for the mobile home. Uh, and you pay that off over a course of 10 years. And we've been here, I think for 14 or 15 years now. Uh, and I think we paid it off in nine, in nine years. So I, we've essentially been paying that payment again to our saving. So, you know, when I was 30, we had the car loan debt, we had the mobile home debt. Okay. And you're really just, you know, getting by your paycheck to paycheck at that point. Then that car loan dropped off and we decided we weren't going to upgrade up. Like I'm not a car guy. I'm a point A to point B. If it can get me to work, I'm comfortable. Um, so we decided to keep the car. Um, we decided to pay the mobile home off a little bit early. And then obviously you're, you know, you're making a little bit extra money. You're probably at, you know, 30,000 as a 30 year old, you know, then you're 32, you know, and you start moving up. And eventually, like I said, this year, we're, we're right around, you know, 50,000 or so. And, um, so it almost like has crescendoed where the lifestyle has essentially remained the same for the past seven years, but the salary has increased up to 50 and we just kept saving. And that was always, you know, ingrained to me as a child that you saved and now we started applying that to saving with the intention of investing to grow the savings. And, um, but I think a lot of people just look at the 50,000 and then look at their bills and go, Oh, that's obviously impossible. And it really, it took a good seven to 10 years to get to that point where we didn't expand on our expenses. So we were able to keep saving at a higher rate simply because we decided not to do a lot of the upgrades that are very typical when you start, you know, increasing your salary, you start, you know, you're like, Oh, I can get that new car now because I, I really need it. I deserve it. You know, those types of things. So, um, that, that would to me be the best way to answer that. Cause and I get the, I get the feedback all the time. A lot of my tweets is just, it's just impossible. Well, um, it didn't happen overnight. It did take, you know, several years to get to the point where we have this high of a savings rate. And a lot of that boiled down to just, you know, outright discipline. You, you can't eat out all the time. Um, 
there's just there's just not that much wiggle room in the salary like that. So, um, but we would eat at home. I cook a lot of our meals with being in the restaurant industry in general. Uh, all my life, you just you end up being a decent, you know, knowing your way around the kitchen decently. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you save money there. Um, uh, living living in Ohio is obviously a low cost of of living area when you compare to you know either of the coasts. Being in the Midwest, uh, in itself is a, a a life hack because it's just not it's crazy expensive to live here. Um, I just my boss just went to San Diego and he said everything's a hundred dollars no matter where you do no matter what you go, uh, you know everything's a hundred dollars. So, um, being in Ohio, you know you can still get eggs for under a dollar. So I, that to me, um, is, is obviously a, uh, a privilege of mine being in Ohio. So, um, those things all kind of added up and we just never let that lifestyle creep hit us. And that really kind of compounded our savings rate. And then now two, two and a half years into the investment journey and journey, we're starting to see that, you know, work, uh, in the investments as well. Um, so a few questions for you. Um, are, are you the only income within your house? Yes. Okay. Um, and roughly, I know you've been fairly open, um, based upon your savings rate, I'm calculating like anywhere from 20 to 25,000 that you're saving if you're roughly, you know, 35 to 45. Yeah. So it's about that this last year we saved 39,000, but in that number, um, Last year was weird. Um, then that number, there's a, I think there's like multiple stimulus checks that would be, you know, not in a normal year. So we won't have that at all this year. And I, I also believe there were two tax returns because a tax return from the prior year was just not, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, it wasn't ever returned. So they, oh, we had two tax returns. So it was one of those things like, I mean, you still have to count it because we received it, you know what I mean? But we saved it all. So um, I don't think our savings rate will be quite as high this year, just given the fact that um, we were just kind of like, they're not given, but you know, those stimulus checks, I guess were given. And then um, we just had some, some larger lump sums of money this, this past year that probably won't happen again this year, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, our goal is to increase our, you know, our own income and maybe we can get to 60,000 and, and, uh, you know, increase those investments like that. So, you know, you know, Chad, I want to first applaud you because, you know, you're, you're doing a, a very incredible task, right? Not only providing for your family, but also recognizing the growth that you've kind of gone through just for the listeners out there, you know, just doing a quick Google search, the average, household income in the US, at least as far as 2019, was $68,703. Chad is making around that and saving close to $40,000 a year. So my, so my question to you, Chad, is for those that ask you, like, well, you know, I'm right around your salary or, you know, how are you doing? Like, what do you tell those people? I mean, that's that's one of those questions that's tough to answer because I don't think there are many people that are that are as comfortable as myself with not impressing other people. So the other day, my mom calls me out of the blue, and we're we're chatting, and she says, um, "You know, 
one thing that always that I've always loved about you is you just, you never cared. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like a good compliment. <laughs> and uh, she's like, no, you never, you never put onus on what other people thought of you. And, um, and just for an example, my wife and I didn't want a lavish wedding. It just, that wasn't who we were. We didn't want these big rings and we didn't want, you know, thousands of guests that we didn't, that we weren't close to. And um, so we, eloped we went to the courthouse and just got a marriage license and i texted my mom and i said hey i got married <laughs> it was just one of those things i don't think many folks out there are gonna be okay with that i and there are gonna be lots of folks that can do it with a car you, you know i see i see a lot of guys that are just like i'll drive this toyota till the wheels fall off and i i praise those people but i also have friends and family that are young um uh, just a quick story from one of my coworkers. He had a van and his brothers were kind of razzing him about this van. He wanted to start a uh, detailing business out of, out of this van. And, um, but they were like razzing him about it. And so he finally broke down and he traded it in. He had negative equity and he gets a different uh, car, but because of the negative equity, he had like an 18% interest rate on this car. And, like that's probably going to set him back multiple years all because he kind of let other people around him influence him. And, um, I think what my mom was trying to get at when she said that was we just never cared about the outside influence. We never had friends that we had to keep up with. We never had, you know, uh, all of my family, you know, they all have really nice homes and stuff and it's great for them. Uh, we've always just been modest and, that to me has been a driving force in being able to create wealth on a salary that that's low is we're going to do it on our timeline. Not when, not when so society determines that you should have this done. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, you know, just graduating college, getting a car loan, getting a, a house, um, and then being stuck there for the next 30 years, that just didn't sound great. It just didn't sound appealing to me. So um, the the tough thing is, is if you're willing to make some of those sacrifices, it's 100% plausible. Like it's very doable. We live a nice lifestyle. We don't want for very much. You know, if I want to go shopping or out to eat, we go, um, but we save. So that's kind of that, that give and take. So it can definitely be done. It does take, a mindset shift in order for it to happen. Thanks for sharing Chad. And I think that's for a lot of people that they allow lifestyle creep or social media or, you know, some aspirational thing that they see kind of cloud their way of, of appreciating wealth. And, um, I mean, you stand today as a 37 year old with, you know, positive net worth, um, on, as you say, a very modest, you know, lifestyle. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are probably applauding you because you are the everyday person, but you figured it out. Sure. Um, let's get to the let's get to the sexy part, man. What 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 investments are you into? Uh, Why did you choose them? And uh, tell us a little bit about your philosophy. Sure. So I 
I invest in the stuff that's considered not sexy by a lot of, you know, uh, folks on wall street, if you will. But, um, again, for me being on that salary, the goal was to keep, was to grow, but to keep, you know, the majority of the wealth. So, um, a conservative portfolio, um, I do take some risks here and there, but, um, I'm mainly in index funds. Uh, my largest holding is uh, VGI. It's tried and true. Owning that position, even in a drawdown, you just know in 30 years, we're either going to not need money and that number is zero, or it's going to be worth more than it is today. So there's only there's only two real options there. It's going to be worth a lot of money or it's going to be zero and money doesn't matter anymore. So, um, that's my main, my main holding there. I, I have some, um, some other, I have some QQQ. Um, I, I do like uh, QQQJ. Um, that's just kind of like a mid cap, uh, style of, of investing there. I'm really big into green energy. I just think something's gotta, something's gotta happen there. Um, I just can't see the next 30 years being like, you know, coal and oil driven. I think we're, st- we're always going to be kind of reliant on those things, but man, I just think like with innovation, you're going to like solar is going to become so much more popular and it gets a lot of hate for whatever reason. I see signs driving through Ohio all the time where it's where like, keep your solar out of our fields. And I'm like, why? I don't know. <laughs> like you'd rather go fracking or something anyways. Um, but, uh, I just don't understand that, but it's always like, I, every time I see the sign, it's like old ladies, like get off my lawn. Uh, that's the vibe that I get from that. <laughs> and I, I don't understand it. And they're the same thing for wind farms. They're like, but the birds. And I'm like, no, that's not a thing, man. Come on. Uh, and I just think those are, I think those are the future, whether or not they become good investments. I don't know. Um, but I, uh, the one I invest in is PBW. That is, uh, I think I cleans the other one. Um, neither one of them have performed well recently, but again, for me, it's just one of those ones where I'm like, I'm going to buy a couple of shares this month. And in 30 years, I hope that the world is in a better place and we're using those types of alternate energy sources. Um, I just, I just believe that to be true. Um, I do, I think unlike most index guys, um, one of my, one of my big things is like, you still have that, like that gambler's itch in you, um, where a lot of folks really just like, they're either all index or all stocks. And I I wanted to do like this, like 90, 10 split. So I was like, I'm going to put the majority of my money in the index funds, let it grow and, and really be good. And then I'm going to just going to take some shots, uh, and see, you know, what happens. So during that March drawdown, the COVID stuff, uh, I think under armor was trading at like six or $8 a share. And I was like, I buy under armor every time I go to TJ Maxx. I just love the product. I'm going to buy a couple of shares. And then they, you know, they have this turnaround story, you know, where they're, they're actually leaving the TJ Maxx's of the world. And, um, they're really trying to focus on, you know, their online, their e-commerce. And I was like, Oh, I can kind of get on board with that. So you buy a couple more shares and the stock price is appreciated. And it went from like $8 all the way up to 23. Their earnings have been really good. 
And um, I don't take too many shots, but that's one of those things, like Buffett always said, invest in what you know. And that was, that was for me, like, I love their product. The majority of my wardrobe is Under Armour. I use it when I go to the gym. I just love all their products. You see it on the uh, you know, TV shows, uh, college sports. All It's like half Nike, half Under Armour. And I'm like, if they can turn it around, that's going to be a decent investment, you know, and we'll see what happens. So um, I'll take some shots like that. I try to keep that at less than 10% of my portfolio, and that includes uh, some crypto as well. Um, one of the things that I, uh, I said they got, you know, quite a bit of popularity on Twitter was I had $60,000 invested in index funds before I bought my first $100 in crypto. So, uh, you know, I had this... It's for me, uh, huge foundation set before I even went to a risk on, you know, a fully, mm. I consider that a risky ask. Um, <clears throat> so I just wanted exposure to the asset class. Um, one of the other things that sticks with me all the time is uh, Buffett said, if it's the next greatest stock, you only need a little bit. And if it's not the next greatest stock, you only want a little bit. Um, and I think you see those things all the time where it's like, oh, if you just had $1,000 invested in Monster, you'd have $52,000 or $150,000, whatever the math is. And I'm like, yeah, like that pushes me up a year in retirement. That's cool. If it doesn't work out that you know, it's worth more. It probably still ends up beating inflation and I'm comfortable with that. Um, but again, I keep those just less than 10% of my portfolio altogether. Um, just to kind of, you know, just to scratch that gambler's itch, if you will. Um, the retirement date won't get pushed back because of it, but it might get pushed up if I, if I get a decent, you know, long-term compounder and, um, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I, I don't pretend, uh, I always, I always like to tell this to my friends and like, Oh bro, what stocks are you picking? And I'm like, listen, I can't hit a curveball off of Clayton Kershaw. So there's no way I'm going to be able to beat wall street at their own game. I just won't be able to do that. So I'll let the big leaguers play in there. I'm just going to take a couple, I'm going to throw a couple of darts and see what happens. Otherwise I'm completely content with the market. giving me the, you know, 8% you know, annualized typically. And, uh, I use that, that number for all my, you know, retirement purposes. And, uh, I usually don't even include, include the other stocks in my retirement thing, just because you don't know what they're going to be. So, uh, I typically just kind of focus on the index funds and, uh, just getting some exposure to the other stuff as a, as a, I don't like the word hedge, but it's almost just like as a just in case, like if, if Bitcoin, you know, goes to a hundred thousand, I'll have made a couple of bucks. And if it doesn't, then I won't, you know, I won't worry about it. So, yeah. well, you know, one question I had, Chad was, um, I guess how it's split up, uh, is it primarily retirement accounts or are you also looking in like brokerages? Um, I'm just curious, like so, how that, yeah. so, how that, you know, how your index funds and allocation goes. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, one of the biggest drawbacks of the restaurant industry, and I will I will shout this from the rooftop if anybody wants, um, is there's everybody talks about the staffing shortages, and, and obviously they're obvious. So usually it's low pay, but one of the things that's not looked at very often 
is the lack of benefits. Even just health insurance in general is not widely available to the folks in um, retail and restaurant businesses. So there are no 401ks. There's certainly not a pension. Uh, That's just not an option. So for me, the Roth IRA becomes the absolutely most important, you know, account for anybody in my shoes, you know, anybody in retail, anybody, anybody that doesn't have access to a 401k, my biggest piece of advice would be to max your Roth IRA. If you did nothing other than max the Roth IRA, it's 6,000 a year, it's 500 a month. I know some months that might be tough, but you know, get as close as you can to that number, uh, as possible. And then if you just did that, you'd be sitting so much prettier, then a lot of folks when they, you know, will eventually make it to retirement age. Uh, so for me, that, that becomes the only tax advantaged account. Um, I do also have a 529 for my daughter. Um, that is the college savings fund. Should she decide to go to either college or a trade school, which I love the idea of her, you know, having the flexibility of both, um, and then even should you know college be paid for? I see this argument a lot. It's like, oh, if college is paid for it, well, they can use that for room and board. They can use it for lots of other things. But um, for myself growing up, I didn't go to college. And I actually feel like it might be one of the things that held me back a little bit. I'm not going to say that I regret it because I still don't know what I would do if I went back today. You know what I mean? So um, I'm not saying that I need a degree by any means, but... Um, if you have the drive and the determination, like I think I do, um, I think you can make that degree really worthwhile. It gets you, it opens a lot of doors for you at the very least. Um, but it was one of those things when I was a senior, there was really nobody talking about it other than just the, the other kids in your class. They were like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Ohio state or I, you know, I'm going to go to Michigan or Toledo, Bowling Green, whatever. And um, that, it wasn't really talked about. And my brother who's older than me didn't go to college uh, until later on in life. And so I was like, you know, am I going to set my mom back financially if I go to college? So it was almost easy to talk yourself out of, you know, spending that money um, because it was just one of those subjects that were just taboo enough that they didn't get brought up. And I didn't want my daughter to have that same reaction when she was of college age. I wanted to be able to tell her if you go to college or if you go to a trade school, you have this money available to you. If you decide not to go, that money will come back to me. Um, That money was strictly set aside for you to be able to make an adult decision, whether you wanted to go to college and, you know, give the degree that you wouldn't have to feel the way I felt when I was 18, where I didn't want to set my parents back financially. So um, we have the 529 that's for my daughter. And um, we we did some math. I have a uh, working in the restaurant industry. You get a lot of, you know, 18 to 23 year olds that just, you know, come through. They work part time through high school. They go to college there. Um, and 
she went to college locally for two years and then she's going to go, she went online for another two years. And I think all said and done, she's right around $30,000 out the door of college with a degree. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use that as the number for my daughter. And so I think we invest 125 every month. We'll do that for 18 years. I put a little bit of a lump sum into it, a couple thousand dollars, you know, into it just to start it off. Um, but that should essentially pay for most of my daughter's college, at least for the first two years. And then she can decide after that, should she want to go, you know, further or, you know, maybe move out of state or something completely up to her. But at the very least, she'll have the opportunity to make a decision without feeling like the decision is going to financially impact her family, um, which was one of the things that I wanted to, you know, get away from. Um, we had talked, like I said, we talked a little bit about my mom saving and, you know, working hard, but, um, one of my mom's biggest, you know, drawbacks or whatever was, um, she was always extremely tight lipped about money. And it probably was because when my dad was going through all that with, uh, you know, medicals and stuff, um, we just didn't have any, and she didn't want the kids to feel that pressure. And I completely understand that. But at a certain point, you know, I think we were comfortable enough where we could have talked about some things and maybe I would have been a little further ahead. I don't get me wrong. I don't blame her at all, but they're just those little lessons that you go, okay, well, I didn't learn this when I was young, but I am going to teach my daughter this now. And, um, so that's been a big part of my journey is just taking those lessons that I didn't learn when I was younger and applying them to my daughter now so that she's extremely comfortable with money. Um, I know a lot of people are scared of like, you know, what if they, you know, go and run and tell the kids at school, your net worth or what your portfolio is, or, um, and I'm not even saying you have to be honest mm -hmm. with the exact numbers, but like, I think you should be taking your kids with you when you go make a bank deposit. I think you should show them that process. You know, I think you should um, sit down when you go, hey, I'm buying some shares of QQQ today. Um, do you want to hit the buy button? So they get to see these little processes so they're not completely blindsided by them when they're older. Um, so for me, a lot of these things that I'm doing now, I do them with my daughter because I want her to understand um, that I had to make a ton of sacrifices in order to get to the point where she's going to be. Um, now she'll have the ability to decide what sacrifices she's going to want to make for, you know, her and her family. And hopefully I'll have left enough of a, or given her enough of a head start where she won't have to make quite as many sacrifices as we did. And I, and I think that's, I think that's the goal of every father, or at least should be the goal of every father. No, Chad, I, I love that. And that, that speaks to me as well as, you know, being a fellow father, um, you're trying to pay it forward and allowing, your good habits, uh, both financial and in life, um, get brought down to, to, to your children. So um, I appreciate that, brother. And, um, you know, in wrapping, um, uh, I kind of want to get into some lightning round questions, if that's okay, to close out the, uh, yeah. the pod episodes. All right. Um, so you know, some of our listeners have, have, have heard these questions before. Um, not sure if you have, but... Um, in your budget or spending plan, what's the one item or category that you are cheap on? 
Like we have to save as much money on this particular category. It's got to be clothing. And, okay. <laughs> I don't think I have two stores that I shop at. I shop at Old Navy and I shop at TJ Maxx. And outside of that, I don't think I've bought an article of clothing at another store in the past 10 years, maybe. Wow. Outside, outside of maybe under like going to the Under Armour, but we would go to the outlet store and we would like only buy on sale. Like, I don't think I've paid full price sticker price on a single item of clothing. It's like in Ohio, we have Gabe's, we have TJ Maxx. We have all these like discount stores. Um, like, my shoes at work start to get a little bit expensive. So I can go to, I can go to Gabe's and get a pair of shoes for like $40. Mm. And I don't think I've paid over 40 or $50 for a pair of shoes. Probably since my mom was buying my high school shoes because she was buying them and I didn't care how much money she spent. So that. uh, that was my mom. But I think it's clothing. We just, uh, the seven dollar t-shirts from old Navy fit as good as any t-shirt I've ever owned. So I'm completely fine with those. So I want to ask you the same question, but what is the one uh, category in your spending uh, plan that you're extravagant on? Like I, I, we could care less. Like we'll we'll spend as much money. That's probably got to be food. I've always been, I've always been in the restaurant industry, literally all my life. Uh, I've been a kitchen manager and I've been a general manager. Um, one of my favorite things to do is just like turn on background noise, like on Netflix, it'll just be a food show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just, I'm just always into food and, uh, that I'm just always finding ways to spend over budget on my food because I, I'll go on TikTok or something and I'll see this like amazing dish getting made. And I'm like, I gotta go to the store right now and buy all the ingredients for that. Um, one of the somebody on Twitter the other day just asked um, about like because of the storms coming through the Midwest, they said, uh, you know, how long could you survive without going to the store? And I like look at my fridge and my pantry and my deep freezer, and I'm like, probably three months. Like that's just my <laughs> safety. That's my emergency fund. Like I just have like emergency fund chicken breast in my freezer. Uh, so we we probably spend a little more than we need to on food. Um, but I think for me, that's that, that's just that comfort level. Like I feel secure if I've got food We're we've got food, we've got shelter, we can figure the rest out. All right. Here's a random question. Cause it just came to my head because you work in the, the restaurant industry out of all the yeah. mainstream fast food places. What is your top one and why? It's it's not even close. The top three is all Chick Fil A. It's all Chick Fil A. <laughs> it's, it's not even close. So um, I'll say this: my main um, my main uh, you know Twitter account. My main thing is personal finance. I just love that space altogether. But I do kind of dabble in um, like fitness or maybe just like it just kind of like coincides with my journey, fitness and health coincide with my, you know, finance journey so much. I, in the same year I started investing when I was 35, um, my wife and I decided we were going to start, you know, working out together and, you know, just generally eat better. And I just kind of have this like almost obsessive compulsive thing where 
you can't just like half ass do something. You have to go all in. So, you know, you go all in and we got a personal trainer. And by the way, that's the best money I've ever spent in my entire life. But, um, I was 290 when I started this journey with my wife and I'm two, uh, 225 right now. I've been as low as 215, but I'm weightlifting on top of that. So the scale's going to go up a little bit, you know, with that, but, uh, just something I'm super proud of is that. And, um, to go back to Chick-fil-A, it's not super easy to go out to eat and still eat things that fit in your, you know, um, I don't necessarily like the word diet is like, Oh, I'm dieting right now. But like your overall diet is what you consume every day. Um, it's kind of tough to go to, you know, Wendy's and get something decent. McDonald's has a couple of things that are, you know, maybe average. Um, but you're trying to hit a protein goal cause you're, you know, you're weightlifting a little bit. So you got to keep your protein high and you got to keep the fats and stuff lower. Um, Chick-fil-A has some, killer things that have some really great macros. They're like grilled chicken sandwich is amazing for macros. And, uh, so is there, I just found this out the other day. They have a breakfast sandwich. It's an egg white on an English muffin with, uh, a piece of grilled chicken on it. It's like 30 grams of protein and 300 calories. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a no brainer for me. Like two of those for breakfast, you're full for half the day and you've got 60 grams of protein. Um, that's a, that's a win. That's a win for me. Um, but the other like mainstream thing for normal people that aren't as you know crazy into the macros or whatever, but, um, they just never miss. Sometimes you'll go to, yeah. you know, company XYZ McDonald's or whatever. And you're like, Oh, the fries are cold. Like, uh, Oh, I went to K I had a horrible experience at KFC a couple of times ago. And, um, but you're right. Check like, the their, their, their quality is always, they just I, never. I love it. I love it, man. Um, well, cool. And I, I got uh, one more question for you to wrap. And I totally agree with you on the Chick Fil A thing. Um, that was probably one of the reasons we bought our we bought our house was actually it's fairly close to Chick Fil A. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so the last question I have for you, Chad, is since you've been on this seven year journey and you've seen a lot. What's the one piece of advice you'd give 30-year-old Chad as he started his journey? Oh, that's a good that's a good question. And I I see this a lot. Uh like it's a common question. So it's like, what would you go back and tell that that 18-year-old self? And I never really have a good answer, but um I'm actually gonna give a piece of advice that somebody gave me because I was always kind of like beating myself up and they said, you started when you were ready and you shouldn't feel bad about that. And I was like, yeah, but you know, but the more that like, it really hit me because you go, man, what if I was 22 and I was just, you know, throwing money into terrible investments and didn't, didn't know anything. And I really feel like I had to pay the car off and I had to pay my home off and build the emergency fund up. And, you know, I had to do a couple of things first before I was mentally ready to get to that breaking point and then learn enough information that I could, you know, maybe make a few small mistakes. Obviously, when you're getting started, you have a few mistakes here and there, but um, 
for the for the most part, it was that process of learning because I was ready, and because maybe I waited a little bit longer. But that was that just really hit me hard when that person said, "You started when you were ready." And uh, as somebody that started late, I'll always feel like I started late. Um, that really helped me like stop blaming myself for starting late. And I think there's a lot of people in this journey that are like, Oh, I just started, I started so late. And I've started telling them like, you didn't start late. You started when you were ready. But the main Uh, thing is that you started and now, now you've got the ability to, you know, to do some makeup or, or do whatever you have to do mentally to, you know, overcome that hurdle. But you, you can't beat yourself up on, things the decisions you made in the past those are those are there um but i i wish i remembered who told me that but they said you know you started when you were ready and that was the best time for you to start and i i think that'll stick with me forever so um you know just reminding myself of that has has certainly been helpful getting rid of that you know feeling of will i ever catch up uh that certainly helped me for sure well, Chad, that, that that that's a great phrase, and you know, thank you for that send off. Um, why don't we just wrap and share where people could find you and, and reach out to you, man, if they they wanted to ask you some some more questions? Yeah, so I'm currently just on Twitter. That's my that's my favorite thing. Um, I honestly just it was part of my process of um, getting into all this, you know, journey. Um, I was like, oh, I'll just create a Twitter account so I can keep up on, you know, stocks and news and whatever. And then I decided like, you know what, I could, I could share, you know, the stuff in the, you know, the steps uh, that I was just in to the person that's in the steps behind me. And I really kind of fell in love with creating content uh, on that specific app. So um, it's uh, Chad Money Matter on uh, Twitter is where you can find me and give me a follow and it's a good time over there yeah well chad thank you again for spending such a late evening with me and um you know i I can't wait for all the listeners to enjoy um you know feel free to leave a uh a rating and a review and you know feel free to reach out to chad he's been a great friend along the process and can't wait to see more growth out of you man in the in the coming years so i appreciate it man thanks for having me on you got it man